Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. Today marks the new season of the Love Offering Podcast. We're going to be correlating it alongside my devotional, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life, that releases today. Today is release day, so for those of you that have ordered a copy, it should be in your mailbox today. I cannot wait for you to start reading it. I want to hear what you think. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm having all the feelings. This is something that I God has been speaking to my heart for almost five years, and today it comes to fruition. And so for those of you that are working towards something, working towards a goal, it truly does happen little by little. And this message is just something that I am still living out. It's something I wholeheartedly believe in. If you are longing for significance, feeling like your contributions don't matter, feeling like your life is just too small to make a big difference, this book is for you because the significant life is is simpler and smaller than you think. God cares about every little thing you do, every little moment, every little interaction, every conversation, every prayer. It all matters to God. You matter to God. Everything you do, all the work you do, it's important and you're significant simply for who you are. That's the that's the main message of this this book, this devotional. If you've not purchased your copy, um, I would be honored if you would do so because I truly believe it'll change your heart and change your mindset. And, and can change other people's lives uh, in the process. And so this season, we're going to be walking through, there's 52 devotions. And so they're in 52 new podcast episodes, one a week, where we're going to be talking through each episode more in depth with a different person. And so today's episode is a little beginning. And my guest is Mike Novotny. He is a pastor and he is the author of What's Big Starts Small. Y'all, this conversation, he is so wise. He is such a great biblical teacher. And we talk about the parable of the sower and the seed. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Mike Novotny and talk about how a little beginning goes a long way. Well, hello, Mike, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Hey, Rachel. Thanks for having me. So this episode is really special to me because it's the kickoff. It's the very beginning of this a little goes a long way um, messaging that's going to be correlating with my devotional. And so the podcast is is going to just be correlating each day of the devotional, um, the podcast and the devotional together. And so uh, but before we get into that, I just want to tell listeners a little bit more about you. You are a, a pastor and you've served in full-time ministry since 2007. Hmm. So as we begin, I'd like you to take us back to the beginning of when you first heard God's call for your life in those early days of ministry. Yeah. Thanks for that question. It totally blindsided me. So when I went to Bible college, I was, you know, with a bunch of kids of pastors and people who had thought about getting into ministry early in life. And I, that was like zero on my plans for most of my life. Um, my dad went, he studied business at UW-Madison. So I live here in Wisconsin. I have one older brother who also studied business at UW-Madison. And Rachel, do you want to guess what my plans were as a kid? Business. <laughs> uh, professional soccer player actually oh, was the, no! the number one thing, but number two on the list was going to UW-Madison to study business. Okay. And uh, thanks to my mom, I mean, talk about a person who feels like her faith is small. You know, my mom's this quiet behind the scenes person, but she was the one who just brought me to church. And uh, we had a pastor at our church really inspired me when I was in middle school. So I started reading the Bible by myself. I remember I had this notebook where I would check off every chapter as I tried to read the whole thing. And when I was 
a sophomore junior in high school, I got to Mark chapter eight and this little thing that Jesus said changed the whole trajectory, trajectory of my life. Um, he said, what good is it if a person gains the whole world and yet gives up their soul? And, uh, I don't know, for, for some reason, I was a public school kid. And I was just thinking about all my friends who were smart and talented and good at sports, but they had no connection to Jesus. And I thought, maybe I should tell as many people as I can that God is better than getting the whole world. Um, and I had never had that thought before of what, what if I became a pastor and just told people that like, hey, this world can offer you some stuff that's pretty fun, but it is nothing compared to how great, how glorious and how good the things of God are. So literally the next Sunday, I went to my home church. Uh, I walked in the doors and what is waiting for me? There's an easel set up to tour a Bible college connected to our denomination. And so I said to my pastor, well, what's that? And he said, well, that's where you go if you want to study to be a pastor. I said, well, I want to be a pastor. And wow. he said, since, since when? And I said, since <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> that's obedience, if so, I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, one little verse. Hmm one little faithful mother who doesn't think she does anything great for the kingdom of God. And, you know, she and the spirit are the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Wow. Well, I, I love so much about that. And, and it's so neat to see how God has taken that verse and those people in your life and, 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 and those decisions and that obedience. And now you serve as the lead speaker for time of grace. And mm. so how did starting small, so to speak, I'm giving air quotes right now, how mm. did that lead and prepare you for this bigger assignment as the world would see it, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So time of grace was a ministry that started back in 2001 on a single TV station and a really great pastor named Mark Jeske, uh, God blessed it and it grew and it expanded to you know, kind of national Christian television and books and podcasts and YouTube and Instagram. And so when I stepped in as the lead speaker, when Pastor Jeske was kind of landing the plane, I kind of inherited, not because I grew it, but because, you know, God had grown it before me. I inherited this, this really huge platform where I got to speak to more people in a single week than I probably would have my whole life put together. Um, and I think just starting, you know, at a local church, I'm thinking of the Monday night service where I'd have to take my music stand and literally walk it three quarters of the way up the aisle where the, you know, the first person was sitting four rows from the back. Um, I think that reminded me that no matter how big the numbers are, how many people listen to this podcast, people are people, you know, and being able to pastor maybe a smaller congregation, get to know um, what people are going through, what they struggle with, what sins most have their grip on their hearts. I think just having the time to minister to people up close in counseling sessions and in Bible studies, that really prepared me because the, you know, the questions and the situations aren't that different, whether you're speaking to a million or just to one. And so, you know, God was really faithful before he gave me this bigger opportunity. Just, <laughs> I, I don't totally feel equipped right now for what I'm doing, but maybe 2% more than I would have without that experience. So yeah, God's, God's timing is just brilliant. Uh, well, and I love how, you know, when we're faithful with what he's given us, like our whole lives are really God's training grounds and he's going to use it all and not waste any of those experiences. And so I think it's just exciting to me to see like, God, what are you going to do with this moment? You know, mm. 10 years from now that I don't even know. And I'm just, I trust that you're going to blow me away and that you're going to yeah. show up and it's going to be one of those like only God moments. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show that this is going to kick off the, a little goes a long way series. 
on the podcast based on my devotional that was actually just released today, October the 4th. We're recording in, in advance, but this your, your podcast is releasing on the day of my book. <laughs> this is a big day. We this need to is- just pause and like have a, a personal praise party because <laughs> writing a book is no joke. So well done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay. So each week I want to correlate with the devotional. And so today is all about how a little beginning can go a long way. And you've actually written a book titled what's big starts small. And so that's why I chose you for this first episode for the season. And I just loved as I was researching my own devotional, how I discovered all the little ways that Jesus served, all the little ways he noticed and the things he rewarded and all the little things that he multiplied. So do you have maybe a favorite biblical big here? I go with the air quotes again, but that's something that started small, something in the Bible that that you're always drawn to. Mm. Yeah. Is it cheating if I just say Jesus? <laughs> no, it's not cheating. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, yeah. When I read that question that you sent me, I thought of that prophecy. Is I think it's in Micah five verse two. Uh, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So, mm-hmm. like literally, the prophecy that said the eternal God who's going to be born as our Savior. He's not going to be born in Rome or Athens or Jerusalem. Like if you could line up by population, the, the clans of Judah, one of the 12 tribes of this little strip of land that we call Israel, it was a, a small, did you know this, that there were actually multiple Bethlehems? No. And so that's why the prophecy says, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah is like, oh yeah, we're talking about this Bethlehem, just in case you get confused. And it was so small, you totally would have missed it. But who would have thought Mary and Joseph end up there through the census and Caesar Augustus's decree and, and there in an unplanned uh, birthing suite, this little child comes in who is like the biggest deal in history, right? He's the one we live for, the one we die for. So yeah, Bethlehem Ephrathah, who would have thought? <laughs> Gosh, I'm already learning so much. I'm like, where's my Bible when I need it? I want to flip to that verse. And I'm going to do that as soon as, as we get off here, because isn't it interesting? I mean, I've been studying this topic for almost two years, probably. Mm-hmm. And that's a new one for me. And I just love God's word. He's just yeah. always teaching us. And there's so much more that he has for us when, yes. when we, when we open it. And so thank you. Thank you for bringing that um, to my attention. And, you know, thinking about verses, the one that this devotional hinged on really is from Zechariah 14, 410, which says, do not despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Mm-hmm. So Mike, I'd love to hear from you. Have you ever been tempted to despise small beginnings in the past? And then how would you encourage the listeners to just begin? Yeah. Oh, the timing of this interview is so crazy to me. Because uh, in 15 years of being a pastor, something happened yesterday to me in church that I don't think it's ever happened. Someone kind of famous showed up at our church. So no no joke, my 14-year-old daughter, there's this band that's kind of made it big from our state. And we got to see them at a local music festival. And we had a baptism yesterday. So all these family and friends are coming in for the baptism. And I'm shaking hands, greeting people. And I turn around and who is standing right there? but the lead singer of the band. And, you know, I'm trying to play it cool. I I get super, I get super starstruck. So I I don't handle those situations well at all. And I turn around and there is my 14 year old Brooklyn and she is like melting. I don't think she, I'm not sure if she thought about Jesus for the first half of that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm not sure her father did either. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm getting ready to preach as the, the band is playing the songs, uh, th- that, that crossed my mind. Like, Mike, this, this guy is no more important than the old woman with the walker who shuffled in. Like, do, do not think that the things that are big in the eyes of the world, platform, success, fame, have anything to do with the kingdom of God. In fact, it's often just the opposite. Um, you know, Jesus, the prophecy in Isaiah said that, um, you know, he was a man of sorrows and he was easy to miss. Like he went like float and glow when he walked down the street. So don't like, don't look at people the way the world would look at them by fame and followers and how they look and how much money they have. So I had to remind myself when I got up to preach, like, yeah, everyone in this room matters just as much as that guy. So yeah, don't despise the the small things because they're pretty big in the eyes of God. Mm. Oh, amen to that. That's, that's such a good reminder and one that I know I need as well. And so your book, it, it focuses on the parable of the sower and the seed that's found in Matthew 13. And so for mm. those who may not be familiar with this parable, would you just give us a synopsis? Yeah, yeah. So big picture, Jesus loved to teach you know, we can't see God, we can't see spiritual things. So he would tell all these stories that we call parables as like really visible, tangible, oh, I, I get that ways of explaining the things we can't see. And if my count is right, I think Jesus in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he didn't tell any in John, he told 30 separate stories like that. And I didn't know this, but if you go by word count, the parable of the sower, the one that I wrote my book on is the number one, like it, it fills up the most space in the Bible compared to all the 30. So it's not the most famous, you know, the, maybe the parable of the prodigal son or the lost sheep, the one in the 99, those are maybe a bit more famous, but it's almost like the Holy spirit is it's in Matthew 13. It's in Mark four. It's in Luke eight. He's like, Hey, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. And here's the story. It's super cool because this is one of the very few parables where Jesus gives a really clear explanation. Um, you must have seen the look on his disciples' faces, like, what? <laughs> so the story is basically this, you know, guy goes out to sow seed, and he's sowing it all over the place. Some falls on a hard path, and the birds eat it up. Nothing happens. Some falls on rocky soil, and it, it springs up, these little shoots, but then the hot sun comes out, and because the soil is rocky, it doesn't have great roots, and so it withers. Some falls on soil that apparently can produce a lot of things, but that soil is cluttered with weeds and thorns. And so this, the seed starts to sprout, it doesn't die, but Jesus says it just doesn't mature or get fruitful. And then finally, some falls on good soil and it produces a massive harvest. So that little seed, Jesus says, grows into 30 or 60 or even 100 times what was sown. And then Jesus has this classic ending. He says, let those who have ears, let them hear. And that's when the look must come on the disciples' faces because <laughs> Jesus says, okay, and here's what that means. Mm-hmm. And he kind of lists, you know, from those four separate scenarios, he actually lists uh, six threats that get in the way, you know, the, the sower is God, the seed is the Bible, and we're the different kinds of soil. So sometimes the word does nothing and the devil snatches it up. Sometimes it starts with great joy, but then it withers when it gets hard. Um, sometimes it's there, but our lives are just so cluttered that it can't mature and grow. And then sometimes in good soil, it produces way more than you would expect. And something really big starts with that small little seed. So that's the overview of the story. 
So I, I really, and I know we, we need to get your book to really dive into each of these, but I, I just wanted to, to kind of briefly touch on each of these six ways that you say we can grow our faith, but also the six threats that Jesus lists in the parable. So mm-hmm. the first one, and actually, so you talk about each of them, but then you also talk about a strategy to overcome them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so the first one that you list is pride. So I'd love you to dive into um, that one. Yeah, it, it's actually tricky. I almost, I almost wrote a whole book off a misunderstanding of the story. Yeah, I was like half, I actually had a proposal that I gave to my publisher. And before uh, we could finalize it, I realized, oh, I misunderstood the Bible. <laughs> wow. I, well, do you know, that's been one of my biggest fears, Mike, is that, <laughs> that because we want to be such good stewards of this. And, it, yeah. but at the end of the day, we are trying to hear, we are trying to listen. And so, yeah. you know, um, but our, our understanding is continuing to grow and change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it really but, was. But I love that honesty. Thanks for sharing that even. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus said in the first case, you know, the seed falls on hard path, uh, a hard path, the birds snatch it up. And he said, that's what it's like when a person hears the word of God, but they don't understand it. And so the devil comes and snatches it up before it can do anything in their hearts. And I'm really passionate about trying to speak and preach and teach in ways that people can understand. So I kind of find that, that people come to church and maybe they nod or they don't ask a question, but they don't really get it because pastors are just like, I don't know, it's the curse of having studied for so long. We forget how to teach at a really basic, clear level. And so I thought, perfect. This is like the, Jesus just gave me a slow pitch to say, hey, you know, make sure you're asking questions, make sure you're teaching in ways that are clearly understood to people. Otherwise the devil's going to snatch up God's word. It's not going to do anything. But then I kept reading. And Jesus quotes right after that, um, Isaiah chapter six, these people are hearing, but they're never understanding. It's like they see it, but they don't want to see it. They've hardened their hearts and they won't turn and believe so that I could heal them. And I realized that what Jesus was saying was not simple. I'm sorry, I'm new to the faith. What he was saying is sometimes you don't understand the Bible because you don't want to. Like your pride kind of puts up the defenses. And even though you, you could understand this really easily, you kind of cross your arms. You know, I picture it when I was a kid, if my parents had to sit me down and lecture me about something I was doing wrong, it's not like I got out my little notebook and said, well, dad, could you please repeat point two? I want to make sure I don't, (laughs) you know, my, my pride is, is hearing it, but it's not hearing it. And, you know, so that's Jesus's way of saying he, he preached to the Pharisees but did they have ears to hear him? Mm -mm. And sometimes, you know, we can go to church and want to feel like spiritual people, but do you ever put your guard up on a certain topic because you know, it's going to challenge you, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey hey wives, today we're going to talk about what the Bible says about submitting to your husband. Yeah. right. Hey, hey kids, we're going to see how serious God is about obedience to our parents. Hey everyone, let's see how God wants us to think about and speak about the governing authorities. Um, let's talk about generosity, giving, forgiveness for people who have hurt us, husbands sacrificing like Jesus to love their wives. I mean, there's there's probably 10 topics where, you know, just the mention of them makes us a bit, ah, can I come back next week? You know, and the, so this is Jesus' warning. Be careful your pride doesn't like harden your heart so that the seed of God's word doesn't have a chance to, to sink in and grow. Okay, so is the opposite of pride humility? or willingness or openness? Like, how do we overcome that? Yeah. In the book, um, you know, my suggestion is 
to take that topic and pray about it in front of a cross. Because the God who's about to speak to us about submission in marriage or forgiving our enemies or obeying our parents, that, that's the same God who loved us so deeply that he gave us his son when we were re rebels and enemies, right? So before the devil dupes us into thinking, well, this is a bad word. I, I don't want to hear this word isn't good for me. Well, that can't be true. It, if it comes from the heart of the same God who loved me when I was like doing my own thing, what Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If the same God who spoke about me loving Kim or me sacrificing for my neighbor, me giving generously to the poor, that's not a different God who's trying to tamper with my blessing. It's, it's the same God who wants to bless me, right? So just throwing that back in the, in the face of the devil, like, no, 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 no. Wait, before you, before you make me defensive, that's a lie because this word comes from a good God and it comes from the good book. So I don't have to assume that it's bad or sketchy or unhealthy for my soul. When you next talk about pain, so how is pain a threat? It's related. So in the parable, Jesus says, some people hear God's word and they receive it at once with joy, but then the word causes trouble and persecution and they start to wither. So, you know, maybe I, you go to church maybe you're the first Christian in your family or in your circle of friends and you love it when you hear it. It's like, wait, wait, God isn't trying to get me. He, <laughs> he's the most loving being on the universe and he knows me and he cares about me. And he, he wants to bring me to heaven where I'm going to escape pain and suffering forever. Like, whoa, you're, you're all in on the Bible, but then your friends aren't, you know, and maybe you're not drinking like you used to with them. And your friends like, Oh yeah, you think you're better than us now. Or, you're dating someone and now you kind of have different standards for sexuality and purity and they're mad. They want to break up with you. You know, um, in my upbringing, theologically, we called this the theology of the cross that to follow Jesus, you're going to have to deny yourself and take up a cross. And because we all want to be liked, ooh, like it's one thing in church when you're surrounded by Christians to say amen to the teachings of the Bible. But when you're the only Christian in the room to to raise your hand and say, Hey, like, that's me. Um, that really stings when you're being judged, dismissed, overlooked, dumped, criticized, you know, it's like the hot sun. And so, you know, the answer to that, what, how do plants survive when there's no rain in the sky and the sun is, you know, bearing down during like August in Kentucky, the answer is they have deep roots right? There's moisture below the surface, even if it's not raining, that the roots tap into and keep the plant alive. And so that's kind of my solution to this one is when everyone in the world doesn't like you because of Jesus, remember deeply that God loves you because of Jesus. Hmm. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Your, your friends, Isaiah two verse 22 says, well, you know, why pay attention to humans? They have, but a breath in them. Like <laughs> this person is judging you because you're following Jesus. They're going to take a breath and they're going to, they're going to die. They're, they're flesh and bones and very mortal, but we're talking about God here. So let's, let's remember just how glorious he is, how good it is that he likes what we're doing as we're obedient to him. So yeah, when it's painful to follow, just sink the roots of your faith deep into the profound, deep, wide, high and love of Jesus Christ. So good. And, and so then next you write about worries, talk to us about this threat. Yeah, if you don't mind, actually, the next three, I mean, sure. kinda, they go together in Jesus's story. 
So I kind of yes. took this as so worries, you know, wealth, and, and wanting. Okay, yeah. got it. So this is so when I say this out loud, this is going to be so obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me for a long time. Um, our friends listening on the podcast can't see, but I have a, a pack of tomato seeds in my hand. And uh, on the front of the package are these big, ripe red tomatoes, right? Like these little seeds, they're small, but they can go really big and they're really beautiful and really delicious. Uh, on the back of the seed package are all these little directions and fine print. And it's kind of like the master tomato grower is telling us, hey, if you want this nice tomato on the front, here's how to get it. <laughs> here's the fine print in the back. Um, Rachel, do you know what half the directions on the back of this package are about? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. They're about space. Oh, I was going to say weather, you know, like the sun, the soil. I, I was wrong. Yeah. So it's basically, hey, these seeds are really good, but don't put too many seeds in that little hole that you dig in the dirt. Like if this is going to grow to a big red tomato, it actually needs a ton of space. And if you're going to have two rows of tomatoes, what does it say here? Make sure they're three feet apart. Like wow. these seeds, you might think that, oh, I can fit all these. Look at all this space in the dirt. Uh-uh. That's not how tomatoes grow. If you want it to be big, you have to have a lot of space in the garden. This is Jesus' point in the parable. Um, he says, if you want big faith, if you want this really intimate connection with God, if you want a you know, big generosity or love, you, ha you have to be very, very cautious that you don't try to squeeze God's word into a super busy, 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 cluttered, exhausted, running life. You know, you make it to church, but then you're, you know, you're back checking work emails in the parking lot as you're walking to your car. Um, you get your devotion in the morning, but you have no time to think about it or put it into practice because you're so worried about club sports for your kids or making money at your job or just wanting to check your phone and scroll on social media. So Jesus actually lists three things. Sometimes you're worried. You're worried about disappointing people. That's why you're so busy. You're like Martha. Remember that line Jesus uses with her, Martha, Martha, you're worried. That's the same word in Greek that he uses in the parable. Sometimes it's wealth. Like you, you got to work to get the stuff. Then you got a lot of stuff. So it takes so much time to take care of it. Or you want things like, your favorite sports teams or the news or the app, you know, in a thousand different ways, Jesus is saying you squeeze God's word into a cluttered, busy heart and it won't die. It's not like you'll lose your faith and go to hell, but what will happen to you, just like it would happen in your garden is that it's going to be so cluttered that it will never grow to maturity. You'll, you'll wonder why your faith feels stuck and your relationships aren't great. It's like, you'll have these little sprouts and little buds, but you'll never get to the big ripe tomato until you have enough space in your schedule. It's so obvious in the garden, but man, this was the most convicting part of the book for me or the convicting part of the story. It's like, yeah, okay. That probably explains why I'm squeezing in church, but I don't feel like a really mature, strong Christian. I'm just, I'm too busy. I thought I could do it all. And that's not how gardens work. And that's not how souls work either. Mm. Man, you're such a good teacher because everything that you're saying, like I have such a good vision in my mind. And then as you know, as we talk about even just planting these seeds, how much time that takes from the time they're planted and then the slow growth that happens until there actually is fruit. Yes. Um, and so talk to us about waiting. That's the last one on your list. What does it, this look like to wait um, in our lives? Yeah. And yeah, no farmer goes to the field puts seed in the ground and then comes back after lunch and says, 
it, it didn't work. <laughs> like we, we, we know enough about seeds that, oh yeah. I mean, don't expect the fruit to come tomorrow. It's going to take months and months and months for the season of harvest to come. Um, do we believe the same thing about the Bible? I meet some people who say, well, I went to church, you know, I even gave it a couple of weeks and I wasn't getting anything out of it. Mm. Hmm. So the, the seed was there, God had planted it, but maybe, maybe that sermon wasn't for Tuesday. Maybe it was for September, mm. you know, maybe God put something there that you were going to marinate on and it was going to pop into your mind. And then six months from now would be the harvest to reap. Like sometimes as Christians, we're doing the right things. It's like, we're trying to be humble. We're trying not to be people pleasers. We're trying to clear out our schedule. So there's space, but even when you do all those things, you got to wait and the seed takes time to grow. So yeah, what's big starts small. There should be like an asterisk after that title. If you're willing to wait a while. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking about I don't want the listeners to be discouraged if their life still feels really small and they've not experienced the big yet. Cause is it possible, Mike, that the big happens in eternity? For sure. Yeah. I just had a conversation. Uh, where was I last week? We were talking about these massive cathedrals, like some of the most beautiful churches in the world. And uh, one of my friends said, you know, historically, sometimes those took 500 years to build. You know, and I thought that no architect would join that project these days, (laughs) you know, we're so worried about like the immediate Mm -hmm. fulfillment of things. And yeah, in the kingdom of God, sometimes the most beautiful things you, you, you don't see in your lifetime, Mm -hmm. you know, you should, you, you raise one kid who stays faithful and that kid raises the person who ends up being the evangelist or the missionary or or maybe even not, maybe we need to remember that Jesus said, if you just give a cup of cold water in my name to a little child, you will not lose your reward. Like, you don't have to be Billy Graham to be a big deal in the eyes of God. So change the diaper, like let something go that annoys you about your spouse. Um, Like angels are, that's breaking news in the kingdom of God. Um, We're just used to the numbers and the platforms and the, you know, social media data. And that's just not Thankfully, that is not how Jesus worked. He loved little kids. He loved 18 different women named Mary. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? You didn't have to be special to be on Team Jesus. Hmm. And I think that's what we love about the gospel. It's it's not about big impact, big plot change in the world. It's just about simple acts in his name that are a big deal in his heart. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I had a friend that's been a year or more ago that challenged me. She said, Rachel, are you okay being the one to plant the seed, but never see the harvest? And that was so challenging to me because, and back to your point, it's like nothing we do, like God's word does not return void. We may not, we may not even ever see it. And it even goes back to writing these books. We, we may know who never, who hears this message we're talking about today, never know who's sitting, reading the devotional in their morning quiet time, but that's the prayer. You, you have no idea what we do, how God is going to use it. And it may again, seem small, but I truly do trust that, that God's going to use it. Um, in a big way, yeah. eventually. Amen to that. I love, actually, it's surprising. Jesus calls this story, the parable of the sower. Mm. And when I first saw that, I thought, well, that's not, 
not to criticize Jesus, but <laughs> you know, he seems to be talking a lot about the soils or the seed. So why did he call it that? He he himself gave it the title. And I thought, because because God is more present in this process than you think. Oh, you know, you know, that. maybe even after hearing this podcast, you're thinking, oh, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta clear up my schedule and I gotta make sure I'm courageous with my faith and I, maybe I shouldn't be working this much and trying to you know, wanting all these things. And, and that's true. There's some, there's some effort we have to put into this garden, but God, just like God is the one who brings up the sun and sends down the rain and makes soil rich with nutrients. You know, God is the sower who's at work in this whole process. So just before I panic, Jesus gives me this like gospel comfort, like, Hey, don't forget who the star of the soil is. Yeah. It's the God who makes things grow. For the woman listening, whose faith seems stuck, what's the main message that you want her to hear today? Mm. Yeah, the main message. Oh man, that, that's a good question to ask a pastor, Rachel, because we love to give the main messages. So we, <laughs> we and all starting with the same consonant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, alliteration is like we we know that better than Greek and Hebrew. Um, I you know I was told long ago by some really wise. Christian mentors that you are not saved by the size of your faith, but by the object of your faith. So it's Christ that saves us. It's not how, you know, how great our faith in Christ is. So yeah, there's a lot of things I, I might say as, you know, sub points or secondary points, but to me, that's the comfort at the end of the day. And it's what inspires me to want to do the work is that my salvation isn't based on these efforts. Um, that if you feel stuck, well, Jesus loves and saves stuck people that he's not waiting until you get unstuck to like you. He's not looking at the garden saying, wow, look at all the weeds in there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> crossing his arms. He's, he's the, the God who got his hands into the dirt and he got dirty and he died for us. And because of that, at the end of the day, whether it was a good one or a bad one in the garden, like we can just like rest securely in the love of Jesus. So man, I know a lot of true for a lot of people, but especially a lot of women who just the, the burdens of, of do, do, do are so crushing to their soul. And so I would want them just to end the day, the main message about Jesus who said, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As you, it almost brings tears to my eyes because when you're talking about him, like reaching down into the dirt, it's like he created us from dust. I mean, that, that's, that is how he, from something simple and small. And he's the one that breathed life into us. And mm. so I needed to hear that message for sure. Um, because I'm totally prone to that do performance-based mindset. And so mm. thank you um, for that specifically for me today. Um, so for this series, I'm actually asking this same concluding question, which is how have you seen God take a little beginning a long way in your own life? Uh. Uh, let me tell you about my dad. Um, I mentioned before my mom raised me in the church. My dad never went. Um, so he had a kind of a bad experience growing up, left the church at uh, 18. And my whole life, even when I decided, even when I became a pastor, we'd have like dinner prayers with my family. And my dad would just sit there while the rest of us prayed. And then, man, then my wife gets pregnant. And we have these uh, two beautiful girls. And then the recession hits in 2007, 2008, and my parents lose everything. I mean, my parents, my dad did really, really well in business. He lost everything in the recession. And my parents move into our basement. 
And so here we are again around the dinner table. It's me, my wife, my two little girls who are three and two, and my parents at the table. And we're saying our dinner prayers. My dad's sitting there, except this time there's this little three-year-old who's looking at the grandpa that she loves so much. And what, what does Brooklyn say to my dad? Grandpa, why aren't you talking to Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm at the end of the table, like, oh my goodness. Like, I, I want him to answer this question, but. <laughs> yeah. And this, this bold, this bold little kid. So my, my dad starts coming to church just to help my wife out. My dad's a great man. Um, just a my wife can actually hear a sermon because then he can take the kids out. And then what do you know? My wife and the kids are out of town and my dad, he starts coming to church anyway. And then one day he signs up for like the new members class to learn the basics of the Bible. And, uh, and I remember that, man, this is like a, one of the best things that's ever happened to me in this life. My, my dad at dinner, he says, so, um, like if I, if I become a Christian and a member of your church, do I have to make one of those stupid new member videos for you? <laughs> So like, no, 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 dad. <laughs> like, that's okay. I'm, just, pass. I'm, I'm rejoicing with the angels in heaven. And now my dad is here in Appleton, Wisconsin with me. And I get to give him communion and I get to preach the gospel and see him there sitting in the back row. So I think of, I think of that little girl. Um, I think of that little moment in history, like a recession. I, I think of God's sovereign providential hand, you know, I prayed for my whole life for my father. Uh, more than anything to be in heaven with me. And yeah, just seeing God use little things that most people had no clue even happened to give me one of the best blessings that I've experienced in this life. So yeah, you're so right. Don't don't overlook the small things. They're, they're a big deal. It gives me such hope and such excitement about the future. And so Mike, I know I want to try to stay connected with you. I know listeners are going to want to, I know they're going to want to purchase your book and follow um, your ministry. So how can we best do that? Yeah. So the ministry I work with time of grace, just go to timeofgrace.org and you'll find just, oh, we've published dozens and dozens of books. You can find the sermons there, short videos, daily written devotions. We have tons of kind of mass media stuff. Uh, the book itself, what's big, start small, easiest place to go is Amazon. So you can find it there. There's a audio version, um, all kinds of things, Kindle version that you can read. So yeah, Amazon or timeofgrace.org. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for today, for starting this, this new series off so well. It was a great beginning um, for me, and I, I, I pray it is for um, the rest of the podcast this year. But I just am so encouraged by your message that what is big really does start small. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Mike Novotny. We hope that today helped to encourage you to continue to plant those seeds, no matter how small they may seem, that a little beginning can go a long way. Consider purchasing a copy of Mike's book, What's Big Starts Small, and my devotional, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. We're going to be continuing to walk through each day of the devotion. Next week is A Little Love Goes a Long Way, and my guest is Megan Lacefield. She is a podcast host with her husband, and they have Built for Two. It's a marriage podcast. I can't wait for you to tune in again then. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram or Facebook, because I believe every little interaction and conversation can go a long way, so I definitely want to connect with you there. You can also connect with me over at rachelkadams.com. 
www.lovedaughterlove.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter. And all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can also find previous podcast episodes. You can read the blog series. You can find the shop, which has significant t-shirts and sweatshirts and necklaces and mugs. And you can also find the free resources that is at rachelkadams.com slash free. And there you can download a conversation guide that goes along with this devotional, a guided journal, the list tracker, the recipes, all the things. There's so many goodies over at rachelkadams.com. So again, uh, I hope you tune in next week for A Little Love Goes a Long Way. Uh, I can't wait to introduce you to my friend Megan, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week, and as always, remember to lead with love.